You're listening to VO Stories, Episode 97. Today I'm talking with life coach to actors, voiceover actors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and more, Michelle Colt. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Tina Zaremba, voiceover talent, mentor, and good old-fashioned storyteller. I believe we all have a story to tell. We can all learn from one another. I created this podcast for you, the VO artist, who's ready to embrace all that your VO journey has to offer. You'll be inspired, informed, and transformed as you learn from industry experts, VO talents, and my insights from 15 years in the industry, having voiced national commercials to promos and everything in between. Success in voiceovers is more than just a snazzy voice, and this podcast will help show you the way. Thanks for listening. What's up, everybody? Happy Thursday. So today's guest, as she calls herself, is a nervous system expert, Michelle Colt. She's a life coach that supports individuals in not just achieving their goals, but truly supports people in getting past their perceived limitations so that they can shine and live an authentic life. And if you're in voiceovers, you know how important it is to be authentic. We hear that all the time. They want the authentic voice. I've had the opportunity to work with Michelle one-on-one as well as participated in an empowering workshop she and her husband hold for actors called The Inside Game. Now, as you listen to this interview, I ask that you answer the following questions to yourself. One, what is my neurothermostat set for for my career? You'll understand what the neurothermostat is when you listen to Michelle. And the second question I want you to ask yourself What are my distractions that are happening in my life, keeping me away from doing what I need to do to advance my career, to thrive in my life? All righty, without further ado, here's our chat. Michelle Colt, thank you for joining me today. (laughs) So happy to be here, sweetheart. As I'd mentioned to you, this month's theme is New Year, New You, and we're really focused on setting intentions for our voiceover careers. I thought you would be the most perfect guest because you have worked with a number of actors and voiceover actors and really looking at what their challenges are on how they can achieve their goals and focusing less on the external and more on the internal. I guess my question to you is, what do you think it does take for someone to stay on track for the new year to create the goals that they desire? And why the hell do we get in our way? Yeah, yeah. There's so much in that question. Um, Yeah, I mean, one of the things I've touted myself as in the last, I'd say, three or four months is that I'm a nervous system expert. (laughs) Okay. I get it. You know, I get it on a very deep level. I've been doing this year for over this, excuse me, this work now for over, I'd say, 16 years. And I you know, was thinking a lot about the interview and you know, one of the most important things to really stress today in the interview is the fact that we as human beings are literally wired to survive, mm. not to thrive. Okay, that can sound, oh God, that sounds so negative. Oh my God, that's dismal. Right. Understanding that is the first step out of it. And, you know, the kind of work that I do with people, and especially when people are setting goals for the new year and that kind of thing, it's another thing I'm heaven bent and really talking a lot about lately, is how incredibly gentle and loving you need to be with yourself, okay? Goal setting and all of that puts most people right into chaos, 
it really, really does. So if you really can start to grasp and start to marinate in and start to think about this aspect that we're literally wired, programmed to merely survive and not thrive, that's the reason why it's so difficult. That's the why it's reason why it's so difficult when we start to set goals for ourselves. Because basically, we're up against our nervous systems. Now, again, if you go back to that idea of survival, that means that the thoughts and the emotions and all of those different things that we're dealing with are coming up as a way to just keep us safe. Just keep us safe. And this has been running the show since we were very young. This starts when we're about three or four. This idea, you know, I, I've got to feel safe. I've got to just survive. And there's so much conditioning out there. I like to call conditioning conditioning. It that. cons us out of our authenticity. It cons us out of our ability to be present. And it truly, truly cons us out of what we really can become. Now, again, when we know what we're dealing with, that's super duper helpful. So I was thinking about different tools that I wanted to share with you today. Yeah, please. And it's unbelievably empowering and helpful to understand that whenever you move out of your comfort zone, or another way of speaking to or about that is something that my husband and I coined about 16, 17 years ago, we call the comfort zone, the neural thermostat. Meaning neural that thermostat. you just want to stay in that area? That's exactly right. And you could have a very high neural thermostat for having success in your relationships in your life, but your neural thermostat around your career goals can be very, very low. So did you have a question? I do. So how do you, well, two things come to mind. One, how do you break out of it? And two, does this connect at all with a story that you shared with me once when we had a session about your talking about your income with your sister and how it was in that same, the same level. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a super powerful story. Actually, the conversation probably took close, took place close to, let's say 20 years ago. Now I was a young actress in New York. I'm 55 now. And, uh, I found out from talking to my sister that she was making the same amount of money as a social worker that I was making in my survival job in New York at that time. And it was within $500 of what our mother made as a nurse when we were little girls growing up in the Midwest. So does that play into the comfort zone and everything that you were just talking about? Oh, goodness gracious. It plays into it in, in an extraordinarily powerful way. Absolutely. So the first thing to think of when you're going to sit down and you're going to write goals and things like that is to really understand, and you're being very loving and kind with yourself when you do this, because the ego does not want to be loving and kind with us around this. It wants to be a jackass and mean. I uh, call the mind and the ego a humdinger of a ding dong. Okay. <laughs> Just is a tap dancing fool. And Whenever we go into a place, hun, where we start to feel bad and we get upset with ourselves, this is so fascinating. We are literally creating the same environment that we were in when we were younger that created it in the first place. 
And that's why it is so important to be kind and gentle. I was speaking to a client yesterday morning about her relationship part of her life. She's very successful in the you know trade that she's in and what she does really successful, but has never had success in relationships. Hmm. And as a matter of fact, has dated several married men. And is, is dis- she said, I'm disgusted with myself. That goes against everything I feel morally and all of that. And I said, well, I understand, you know, what you're saying, but please try to let's have us reframe. I don't want you disgusted with yourself. That was a coping mechanism for you because you were repeating what your mother did her entire life. But that, that nervous system wants to get mean and nasty right away. So going back to what I was referring to a little while ago, this is such a powerful tool. You sit down, you're going to start kind of thinking about some goals and things like that. And you say to yourself, oh, I can feel some chaos coming up. Okay. There's an extraordinary definition of the word chaos in the dictionary. The empty space that preceded the creation of the universe. I get goosebumps. Okay. So what I tell clients and myself, because I'm constantly doing this work for myself as well, if I'm having something come up, which I'm having some neat things come up right now in my career, and I'll have diarrhea. I go to anxiety. As you know, I used to deal with debilitating anxiety 20 years ago. And my little nervous system, still when it's getting pushed into, when something good is going to happen, I can sometimes get diarrhea. Okay. So what I say to myself is, oh, look at this chaos. This is the empty space that's preceding the creation of me speaking in front of 300 people. Wow. Isn't that interesting? And And I I look at it as like a scientific experiment. Oh, because the moment I do that, Tina, I start to step out of the chaos. You let go of the attachment to it. It becomes something that you're observing versus it becoming you. Um, I love what you just said. It's not so much letting go of the attachment. I step out of it. The moment we observe what's happening with our thoughts or our emotions or whatever it is, we start to move into a place where we're not so immersed in it. Mm. Now, there's something very important I need to say, especially for somebody who hasn't heard me speak before. The definition says the empty space that preceded the creation of fill in the blank. God knows it does not feel like empty space. Not at all. And that goes back to something else I talk a lot about. The mind detests, absolutely hates the unknown. Okay, yet the unknown is the portal into your beautiful talents and into your ability to be present in any given moment. So making friends with the unknown is a lot of what my work is about. And know that the unknown is going to bring up a lot of chaos in a lot of people's nervous systems. Some people get really bitchy. They get like a total chip on their shoulders. Other people, when the chaos is coming up, will start overeating, oversleeping, whatever it is. Everybody, what happens is everybody goes to whatever distraction they're comfortable going to. That's another really, really key piece of information that I just said. One thing that, you know, the listeners could do, and certainly I invite you to do this as well, 
is like to really start to become consciously aware in terms of what are your distractors. Mm. Scrolling through Facebook. That's one I'm working on. The freaking scrolling through Facebook and Instagram. Like, a, like I'm in a trance. Right. When there's several of the things I could be doing, you know? So, so it's about, oh, well, you know, where do I go? Because the moment you notice where you go and that you've gone there for five minutes or whatever it is, boom, you start to step out of it again. So it's having that scientific uh, approach to the behavior, observing it, being aware of it, and being gentle with the self when you notice it. That those things are humongous. You cannot sabotage yourself from a place of conscious awareness. So whenever sabotaging aspects are coming up, you've tuned out. And you're literally in some form of a trance state. Okay, again, there's a lot of different information out there about you know, what I'm about to speak to right now. And it's, you hear it all over the place. But the, how profound and simple this is, is so neat. There is no more powerful place to be in the present moment. It's all about getting back to the present moment. Because as scientists have said, as yogis from India have said, and this just tickles me, the past <laughs> and the future literally do not exist unless you start thinking about them. One of the fun things I like to say about the mind is the mind is usually lamenting about the past and then regurgitating that onto the present moment and projecting it out into the future. All anxiety is in anticipation of something. I had a huge speaking engagement that happened in December and it was nothing. I had never done this kind of thing before. And I couldn't wait in many ways because God knows I love my work more than anyone I know. I mean, I love to do what I do. It's, it's a very fortunate to feel that way about what I do. But for three days before that big deal thing, my nervous system is making it a big deal. Diarrhea, having a hard time eating. An hour before, and as I got there, I went right into the zone. It was the most natural thing. It was a huge success. It led to a bunch of people coming to a workshop I was teaching. I mean, but it was just so funny. And then afterwards, and of course, I'm talking to all my clients about it now. Isn't that fascinating that my nervous system produced all of that chaos as a way to feel safe? When I got there, it was as if I'd been doing it for 35 years. How did you get in my zone? Well, how did you get to that zone? Did it just naturally happen? Or did you say something specific to yourself? I, I said what I said just a little while ago. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. isn't this interesting? Look at the chaos that's coming up right now. Another really important thing in regards to that, <clears throat> so I'm glad you just asked me that, is that you could be in a really zen place. Okay, you could have done a morning meditation. Let's, let's speak to the voiceover world. Mm-hmm. Let's say, you know, someone's going in to do a job. It's out of their comfort zone. It's pushing into their neural thermostat. It's going to mean a lot more money than usual. Um, you know, fill in the blank, whatever creates the chaos around it. You could do your meditation. You could do some processes, whatever it is you do to really become centered. You could have eaten a banana. I'm huge on bananas. Bananas, mm-hmm. having a banana a half an hour before something that makes you nervous or uptight. Ruddick on steroids, do a double backflip. Okay. All of my athletes have said to me when I tell them this, because I do have some, you know, clients that are athletes. Oh yeah, Michelle, I know about that. My coach used to talk to me about that when I was little. 
my actors, my entrepreneurs all think it's kind of funny. And to a person, Tina, every single person has said to me, Michelle, I really cannot believe what a big difference that makes. So wait, having an, a banana, is that what you're saying? An hour before they go? Having a banana. What does it do? Banana. Well, there's a lot of medical things that it does. There's certain components and things that make up the banana that literally go in and calm down the central nervous system. Mm. And it's, it makes a huge difference, a huge difference. Now you could have had your banana and you're about to go into record and the belly's doing a little flip flops. Maybe you have sweaty armpits. Maybe the heart's starting to beat a little bit quicker. As this is amazing what I'm about to say. Your body going into to some biological reaction to you moving out of your comfort zone doesn't mean anything. All it means is that you're in a carcass. My daughter likes to call the body a meat suit. You're in a meat suit, you're in a carcass, and the nervous system is going to do what the nervous system is going to do. So what I kept saying to myself those three days was, oh, again, oh, look what my nervous system is doing. And I knew it didn't mean anything. Because mm. it doesn't. That's, that's all it means. And I don't know if you remember when you did Inside Game in New York with me. You can, you can use the technique I'm using, describing and do it really you know, effectively of seeing that it's the chaos. You start to step out. It is going to take linear time as in minutes for the body, mind, body, nervous system to calm down. Now, that being said, really being like, oh, wow, look at this chaos that's coming up. I'm in the empty space that's preceding the creation of this voiceover campaign or fill in the blank. That can get you, I'm going to use this word because it's just the easiest word to describe what I'm trying to say. That can get you into a very grounded spiritual place. It is going to take your physical body time to catch up. Mm-hmm. There's that great story about me like 15 years ago, huge callback situation in New York, probably more like 18 years ago now. And I something happened in the room at the callback. The details are not important. I had a ridiculous biochemical dump. My armpits are now like fire hoses. I was so grateful that I had on a, a um, blazer over my blouse because it was soaked. Thought I was going to pass out. My knees got so weak. Did a couple techniques, did my takes, went downstairs. The casting office used to be right across the street from a MAC makeup place. Treated myself to my favorite lipstick. Had two or three other auditions. It took an hour and a half for my body to feel normal. Six hours later, I got a call that I had booked the job. Wow. That's why, you know, to get mad at yourself when the chaos is coming up is completely unhelpful. More and more, and I'm thrilled about this, you have well-known people in certain fields talking about this. Marlon Brando, every night before he did a streetcar named Desire on Broadway, threw up in a bucket right before he went onto the stage. I remember you sharing that, yeah. Didn't mean anything. It meant that he was in a certain form of, that's actually a um, symptom of the freeze aspect of the nervous system. You would think it was fight or flight, but it's not. It's actually freeze when we get diarrhea and when we vomit. And that's just what his nervous system was doing. And I've talked to several people who have said that his performance as Stanley in Streetcar Named Desire was the most riveting thing they ever saw on Broadway. 
it didn't mean anything. It just meant that the nervous system was doing what it was going to do. And then he went on and it was fine. That goes back to what I said a little while ago. All anxiety is in anticipation. Once we get there, for the most part, it's a different story. And the way we feed ourselves in that kind of thing before a high stakes situation, I mean, obviously, because I'm bringing up the banana thing, I think it plays a big part in it. So let me ask you, Michelle, you talked uh, earlier about the past and the future mean nothing. It's just this present moment. Mm-hmm. I get that um, intellectually, but when I think about my goals and I hear you say that, I could hear someone say, a listener say, and I could say this too, well, then yeah. where's the drive and the motivation to complete that goal if everything is just right now? Well, what you're speaking to right now is really this aspect of what, what do you love? What mm. do you love doing? It's, it's about getting in touch with what you love. You know, because the nervous system, again, is just going to do silly tap dances around all of this. So it's always about remind. I mean, and I'm sure the listeners have heard this before and you have, too. It's, it's about constantly reminding ourselves of why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. You know, it's getting in touch with your talents. It's getting in touch with your passion. It's getting in touch with with your love. And sometimes the mind is such a tricky humdinger that it will try to convince us, oh, I must not I must not want to do this. I have a new client that just started with me in January who's a huge success as a newscaster. And in certain situations, she gets so nervous that after the you know, interview or whatever it is, she, she will question one of the reasons why she got in touch with me. She said she, she questions even doing it when she loves it and has loved it for a long time and loves news and loves everything she's doing in that world. But that's how convincing that nervous system can be. It's really about understanding that this is, I mean, this is exactly what we're deal, dealing with. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's fascinating. So the nervous system is like this because we were, used to be cave people and we needed to be on survival mode and we've just kind of carried this on throughout our That's life. one theory. That's okay. a huge theory that's out there around all of this. I mean, as you know, a lot of my work is based out of science, neuroscience and quantum physics. I had a huge influence, um, you know, in terms of quantum psychology. Yes, absolutely. And another thing that I think that's important to understand too is that let's go back to what I was talking about in the very beginning. Actually, it's good to mention this again. All of the thoughts you're having, the emotional way you react to things, again, is all being driven as a way to survive. It's all about survival. And a client asked me the other day, they said, you know, I feel really bad about this, but I'm sort of happy when one of my colleagues screws up, one of my, you know, actor colleagues screws up. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds awful. And I said, well, here's, there's two things that are happening in that. I said, first off, in a really interesting way, it gives you permission to make a mistake. And then from a survival aspect, it's like in an egoic aspect, well, I'm better than that. So it's, you're, dual, you're dealing with a dualistic kind of thing there. And again, as you know, I talk about this all the time. It's so important that we do not feel bad about our thoughts and emotions. There's a lot of bullshit information out there around only have positive thoughts. Your thoughts create your reality. Well, that's not true. It's not based in science. Oh, gosh, I get so upset because that people feel bad about themselves. 
We have no control over what thoughts are going to come in and how we're going to react emotionally. Your thoughts and your emotions are doing you just as your liver is doing its functioning. You're not telling your liver to break down the bile every 20 minutes. You're not telling your fingernails to grow. You're not telling your heart to beat. Your thoughts and your emotions are happening as spontaneously as that. Now, you do have the ability once the thought has come up or the emotion has risen, then to not take delivery of it, to, 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 to just be like, oh, wow. Again, the moment you step into that observer role, wow, that was a real wing dinger of a thought I just had. So one of the things the mind does, it does compare and despair. That's one of its favorite things to do. And then for some people, rather than comparing and despairing what the mind does, is if somebody else is having a hard time with something, the ego goes into a place of feeling superior. Now, again, to have that superior mean thought or whatever it is, again, you, you can't control that. You can't control that. That's what's coming through. Um, I think it's really important that I speak to the whole thing about, about also your thoughts creating reality. Okay, your thoughts have a profound effect on the way you see yourself and the way you see the world. But somebody having a bad thought about me is not going to make something bad happen to me. And I always say, you know, good thoughts, bad thoughts. Well, you know, they're all arising in a binary fashion. You're going to have good thoughts. Sometimes you're going to have bad thoughts. It's best in an acting voiceover situation to be able to go in there and be present and be you. To be authentically you. Another thing that's the kiss of death is to try to go in if you're auditioning for something and give them what you think they want. Yeah. Hello, hello. That's no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> and goodness gracious, I know how difficult that can be. But each and every one of the people listening to this right now is a unique, authentic snowflake. There has never been anyone like you and there never will be again. And having the ability to be comfortable with that when, when, a, when a voiceover artist or an actress or an actor starts to be comfortable with that, I have seen a direct correlation with success in terms of bookings. It's, it's, it's huge. I love you so much. <laughs> I love you too. It's so wonderful to be talking to you. <laughs> so how can folks learn more about you and your work? Uh, probably the best thing would be to go to the Inside Game you know, work, um, website, just yeah. inside game. Also, I have a separate website for my shine work, which is just www.michellecolt.com. If there are any people listening who are in the Los Angeles area, I'm going to be doing my new workshop, 2020 vision for your life and career in the year 2020 on February 1st. Oh, and I'm also teaching that in private sessions to people all over the country. So awesome. ways to work with me privately, workshops, and I'm going to be flown to Phoenix, Arizona to teach the 2021 in February. Awesome. Thank you so much, Michelle, for taking the time. Oh, you're very welcome, sweetheart. Did you answer the questions I asked you to ponder during my talk with Michelle, or were you in a trance state? No judgment if it was the latter. Now, January's theme was New Year, New You, focusing on goals from an inner perspective. 
I intentionally chose Wendy Braun and Michelle Colt as guests, as I knew these two ladies could shine a light as to how we as talent can go to another level in our careers. And it's not doing more marketing, albeit that's important. I believe, though, what really is important is moving out of our comfort zone, being aware when we're distracted from the present moment, and getting in touch with why we love our work. Oh, and one more thing. I googled the benefits of eating a banana when we feel anxious. I was a little skeptic when Michelle said that. And she's right. Apparently, bananas are natural beta blocker. The things you learn. Okay, my lovely listeners, until next week, here's to owning our voices. 